I was on my way home from visiting uh, Daisha and her family in Chesapeake, Virginia, and and uh, unfortunately, one of the places you have to drive through to get to her house, at least the way we were going, is through D.C. And uh, anyway, it, it's a, it, back then it was crazy. It's crazy now. Um, those of you that have been to D.C., you know what I'm talking about. Um, the traffic is insane. I, I remember on going down, uh, it was flurrying, flurrying, okay, not snowing. Everybody is going 20 miles an hour. I'm from Michigan. My buddy that was with me is from Cleveland. We see lake effect snow all the time, and this was flurries. I'm flying by everybody going 70 and just thinking, what is going on in this, in this city? And I get down, and this is pre-cell phones and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, you're all like, some of you are like, dang, he's old. Um, yeah, I just turned 50 a couple weeks ago, so I guess I am. Um, woo, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so we're in D.C., and my buddy and I um, get off the highway, which is a really bad idea. And we're on a road, and we're, we're heading down this road. I don't know where we're at. Um, and uh, no GPSs, right? None of that stuff. Um, you had to use a map back then. Some, some of you all remember those days. Um, some of y'all still use a map and don't like GPSs. That's cool. Um, but we're, we're, we're driving down this road, and a police officer pulls, pulls us over, and, um, and he comes up to the window, and, and he's like, I, I see that you're from out of state. Um, are, are, you, are you lost? And uh, I'm like, yes. Yes, sir. I am lost. I do not know where I'm going. I, I do not know how to get back to the highway. I don't know. I, I, everywhere I look, it, it, I don't know this area. He's like, son, here's, here's the deal. If you continue down this road, it is going to end badly for you. And I'm like, seriously? He's like, yes. And he's like, you need to turn your vehicle around and get back and, and just take this road, go back to the highway, and there will be big signs that say, uh, where you're heading, you know, the direction you need to head, and, and you know what that direction is. Yes, sir, I do, but how, okay, so turn around, go back that way, and, uh, and you will get back on the highway and, and, uh, and start heading to where you need to go. And, and in that moment, and, and many of us have faced this, in that moment you have, I had a decision to make. I had a decision to make of, I know what I need to do, but am I going to do it? And, and, and our, I, the warning signs were given, you continue down this road, it is going to end badly for you. You need to turn around. You need to go the opposite direction. And, and so in that moment, there was this struggle between knowing what I needed to do and then doing what I knew I needed to do. And, and they're, they're different. They're very different. And, and yet, just as it was true in, in, in my driving, it's even more so true in, in our soul. And in, in who we are as, as people is we can know what we need to do, but it's a completely different thing to choose to do what we know we need to do. And we struggle with that all the time. Paul even writes, he says, we're at 
our, we're at war within ourselves, our spirit and our flesh. Our flesh is wanting to take us one way. Our spirit is wanting to take us another way. Our soul is wanting to take us another way. But, but, but we're at war with ourselves because we're not sure which one we should do. And there's a huge difference between knowing and doing. And if we're going to be a people that can, can speak Jesus into each other's lives as followers of Christ and speak Jesus into a, a world that desperately needs him, we have got to confront knowing and doing. Do I know what I need to do and am I doing what I know I should do? And so as you think about that, I want you to turn, if you would, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We've been talking about indicators of the condition of our soul. Indicators that would, would reveal to us the, the truth about what's happening in our soul. And as we become, as we come face to face with those indicators... We have a choice to make. Do I, I know what I need to do? Do I need, am I doing it? Am I living it out? Am I going the direction that, that God wants me to go in my soul? Every single one of us, every single human being on this planet is wrestling with that because every single human being on this planet is a soul. Remember, we, we are a soul who has a body. And in that body, if we know Jesus, we're to glorify God in our body because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God who resides in our soul. So do we, do we know what we need to do? Are we listening? Are we looking at? Are we examining the indicators of our soul? And are we willing to obey and go the direction that God wants us to go? In James, James chapter 5 we're going to be looking at verse 16 in particular. I, I want to just backtrack to James chapter 1 and kind of give you the, the, I, what I believe is James's overview of why he's writing this, this particular book by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the half-brother of Jesus. Why half-brother? Because Jesus was supernaturally born of the Spirit of God, of God. He is, his dad is God the Father. All right, his earthly dad was Joseph, but Joseph had nothing to do with his conception. That was God. And, and so his half-brother, James, is writing this. And in verse 19, we, we read this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be, wow, if there, we could do a sermon just on this verse, be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. I could just stop there. There's a sermon right there. Any of y'all struggle with that? Don't raise your hand. I'm raising my hand too, bro, for, for real. I mean, think about that. We, we flip that all around, don't we? Quick to speak, slow to hear, quick to anger. I, I don't buy any of the rest of you, but I know I'm right there. But listen to this, verse 20. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right across my face. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is, look at this, is able to save your soul. But, he, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, knowing and doing. 
Knowing and doing is two different things. Oh, I know what the Word of God says, but are you doing it? Are you living it? If not, you're deceiving yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, I love this. He's like a man who looks into a mirror at his natural face, for he looks at himself and he goes away, verse 24, and at once forgets what he looks like. I think there's a little sarcasm there from James. Like, seriously? Who does that? Goes on, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, look what it says, he will be blessed in his doing. Chapter 5, verse 16. Chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Indicator that we need to find in our lives, that we need to be practicing in our lives, that we need to be quick to allowing to be something that's just not what I know, but what I do is to confess your sin. Confess your sin. Why? Let's look at that word sin for just a moment. That word sin is so vital that we understand it. I'm going to just break it into two different parts. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. In other words, sins that I I commit, and I know I'm doing it, and I know that that sin is a direct violation of God, but I'm choosing to go ahead and do it anyway. And then there are sins of omission, or if you think about it, the word omit, that you just sort of don't even think about, that you don't even realize, or that you have become numb to in your life. Like, like, I understand that very much so because for a year and a half, I was in this camp of not spending time in the Word of God, of not doing what I needed to for God to refresh my soul. These were sins of omission. The Bible says if you know the good you ought to do and you do not do it, for you, it is sin. Sin is a direct violation, all sin, is a direct violation of the character and the will of God. Do we understand that? That's why the Bible says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There is a single person in this room, a single person watching online, that is not a sinner. Every single one of us has sinned. The Bible even says that if you look at the Ten Commandments and you read through those, if you violated one of them, you violated all of them. My friends, you and I are sinners. We need to be willing to confess that. We need to be willing to deal with that because here's the deal. Undealt with sin will destroy you. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Undealt with sin will destroy you. It will it will drain your soul dry. It will drain your soul dry. It will destroy your life. So what do we do? What do we do? We confess it. Confess it. What is, what is that? In, in simple terms, it means to agree with. When, when we actually, when, when you're praying, 
and, and you say amen, do you know the word amen means to, I agree with. I agree with. Whatever was just said, I agree with that. So, sometimes I think we need to check our amens. I'm just saying. Because sometimes people might say something, you're like, wait, what? So I agree with. Who are we uh, agreeing with? I, I love what Max Lucado says. He says this, or Lucado, I don't know however you want to say it. A proclamation of trust in God's goodness. I love that. A proclamation of, of trust in God's goodness. What I did was bad, we acknowledge, but your grace is greater than my sin, so I confess it. I tell God, God, I agree with you, this is sin. But that's only half of what confession is. Confession is not just agreeing, it's not just knowing. It's not just going, I know this is sin, I agree with you, God, that this is sin in my life. It also has the picture of uh, of turning away, repentance, a change of mind. So when we confess our sin to God, I agree with God, this is sin, but it's not, not, just, it's not enough just to know it. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to walk away from it and go the opposite direction, away from sin, and I'm going toward God. That's what confession of sin is. God, I agree with you that this is sin, a sin that I have committed or a sin that I've omitted, but I am agreeing with you that it's sin. I am turning away from it, and I'm walking toward you. I'm walking toward you. Why? Because it's in the name of Jesus there's healing. It's in the name of Jesus there's life. It's in the name of Jesus there's power. And, and, I, and, and so we confess our sin. To who? To one another. To one another. Notice that in this it says, confess your sins to one another. What, what's beautiful about this one another is that woven into this, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. What is he talking about? He's talking about me, another person, and God. That cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so our confession is, number one, verse 15 makes it clear. Who is it that does the raising up? Who is it that heals? Who is it that forgives? It is, notice it says, the Lord will raise this person up. This, this sickness that this individual is, is dealing with, first of all, is physical, but in verse 16 goes into a spiritual or a soul sickness. And we're to confess that. Sin will make your soul sick. Sin will make your soul sick. And so who do we confess to first? Number one, we confess to the Lord. Why? Because 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he, Jesus, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He alone is able to do that. 
He alone is the one who can forgive your sin. He alone is the one who can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He alone is the one who can heal your soul. I have no power to be able to do that. There is not a single person in this room that has any power to be able to forgive sin, be able to cleanse someone from their sin. I can't do that. You can't do that. No one on this planet can do that except Jesus alone. So why do I confess it to others? The reason I confess it to others is because the others should be pointing me to the one who can forgive my sin, who can cleanse me from all unrighteousness, who is the healer, the power, the one who makes a way. He's the way maker in my soul, in my life. His name is Jesus. And if you're confessing your sin to somebody who's not pointing you to Jesus, my friend, that is not the one another you need to be confessing to. There's a reason why in verse 16 he goes on and he says, notice the prayer of a righteous person. I don't know why, but I always, when I read that, I've got the turtle and uh, and, and uh, finding Nemo going through my head when he's going, righteous, righteous. That, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. Um, Niall talked about righteousness last week and the righteousness that we have in Christ alone. It's not a righteousness that I muster up. It's not a righteousness that I somehow am able to, like the Pharisee, thinking that if I just do these things and I'm not like that guy over there, then I'm righteous. That, that is not righteousness. That is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness will lead you to the pit of hell. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want to see anyone go there. Why? Because it destroys your life. You can't muster that up. The only thing you can do is turn to Jesus who then gives you his righteousness, lays on you his righteousness, and you become the righteousness of God, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for you. So first, confess to God. And here's the deal. I'm, 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 this statement, um, mm. better to have God humble you today than for your sin to humble you tomorrow. Why? What's the motivation of God? The motivation of God in your life is he loves you. He loves you. He longs to give you his best. He longs to restore your soul. What is the motivation of sin? The motivation of sin is hatred. The motivation of sin is, I will destroy you. So, better to have God humble you today. Recognize you're a sinner today in need of a Savior. Recognize that even if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you still sin. You still need to confess that sin because he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It is better to have God do that in your heart today than to sin do that in your life tomorrow. You've heard me say it a lot of times. I'll probably say it 100,000 times more. I really don't care. Sin will always Always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Always. Confess now. Don't wait. 
Let God humble you now so that he can lift you up. So that he can lift you up. And he promises to do that. Mm. Confess your sin one to another. I can hear people say, but, but what if what if that person doesn't keep praying for me? What if, what if that person blabs my sin to other people? What what if? What if? What if? You're right, it's possible. Why? Because we're human beings. And we do some pretty dumb stuff sometimes. The point isn't about whether or not I confess it to someone or not. I, I think that's important. I think that's vital. That's, that, you're focusing on the wrong thing. The, the, the thing to focus on here is that this is God telling me this is what I need to do. And so I'm going to, as Max said, I'm going to trust in the goodness of God. And believe that his grace is greater than my sin, and I'm going to confess it. And yes, I'm going to confess it to someone, but I'm going to be picky in who I choose to confess sin to. Why? Because, again, verse 16, we talked about it earlier a little bit, the righteous man, the righteous person. This is a person who is not, they're not perfect. Oh my goodness. They're not perfect, but they realize I'm not perfect. I've, I've got flaws, I've got, I sin, I mess up. But, but the person who is righteous is living right in the eyes of God. In other words, they're striving to know God's word and know who God is, and they're speaking Jesus into the life of other people. I don't want to confess to somebody who's not going to tell me what does God want for my life. Doesn't point me to a relationship with Jesus doesn't point me to his word. Well, I think you ought. No, I don't want to hear what you think. I want to hear what does God say. Point me to the one who can heal me. Point me to the one who can restore me. Point me to the one who can do that work in my life. So that someone ought to be a righteous person who is quick to point you to Jesus. Quick to point you to Jesus. And notice, it's, it's not necessarily, sometimes we have this idea that we, gotta, we have to have these accountability groups with lots of different people and we got to confess to everybody in the group and that, that somehow is going to be beneficial. Maybe it will be. If God's leading you and directing you in that direction, fine. But what I see here is it says one, one another. One being Jesus, the other being another person. It does not have to be a massive group of people. But what I can tell you is, what you need to do is be obedient to God. What is God directing you to do? What is God wanting you to do? Because maybe he wants to use your testimony as you share about how God gave you victory over sin in your life. And that is used by God to impact the lives of others. But again, is God directing it? See, and so... So we confess our sin one to another. And what, what, what happens, what's so beautiful is that Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, so we can bear each other's burdens. Taking them to the great bearer of burdens, Jesus. And we get to be a part of that process. Romans 1.12 says, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, 
both yours and mine. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We have the opportunity to be Jesus pointers in our life to other people as they confess something to us. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one who can transform their life. He's the only one that can heal them. And here's the beauty. Look what happens. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sin to one another. Next week, I'm going to dive into this last, the second part. Pray for one another. That's huge. I don't have time to do both. So we're going to look at this next week. Pray for one another. That doesn't give you a reason to mess next week, by the way. Just saying. Um, He's going to talk about prayer. I'm out. Well, that might be an indicator of your soul. Just saying. Um, So here's the deal. What happens? What happens? Look at this. That you may be healed. In in the original language, it actually is, is saying so that healing may begin. Well, I can tell you that's true. It was not until I got to a place where I was willing to confess what was going on in my life, to recognize first and say, God, I agree with you. This is sin. I cannot do it. I've got to turn away from it. I'm confessing to individuals that, that I need help. They came along. They burdened. They were burden bearers along with me. They pointed me to Jesus. And I'm telling you, healing began and is still going on. And I praise God For the reality of this verse becoming real in my life. Because he can transform you. Listen to what David says about keeping it silent. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. You may be able to identify with this so well because you're not saying anything about sin that's in your life. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You there? You're not alone. Matt, I was there. I get that. But I love verse 5. David says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my sin. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Isn't that awesome? That's what God can do in you. That's what God wants to do in you. He wants you, First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. There is something powerful that happens when we confess our sin to God and we confess our sin to another. There is something beautiful that happens because we see the grace of God being poured out, the mercy of God being poured out, the forgiveness of God being poured out, the love of God being poured out on one another and on ourselves. And it's a beautiful and awesome transaction that happens in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and through our lives as we're willing to confess our sin. But here's the problem, a couple problems. One is we want to define healing. Yeah, one of the kids over here said, uh-oh. That's right. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. That's what we used to say when I was a kid. I don't know why, but whatever. You wanted to find the healing? Who died and made you God? Man, we don't get to define the healing. And, 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 and we understand that physically. I mean, we, we go into the doctor and we have a problem and they do surgery. And depending on the size of the wound, depending on the depth and damage of what was going on, depending on, on all of those things, makes the healing process shorter or longer. Some of y'all know that well. Some of y'all just had surgery, and, and uh, like Ken this week, he's going to have to have this contraption on his hand, squeezing his hand all the time for three months. You think he, he's excited about that? Oh, I'm so joyous about No, but he realizes i got to have that in order to get mobility back, healing back in my hand. Other people ain't go in, get a little surgery, and boom, they've got, you know, full feeling. Woo, here we go. Um, quick, easy. Healing hardly ever is easy. Healing hardly ever is quick. Can God heal us immediately? Absolutely. He is God. <laughs> he can absolutely heal you immediately in your soul. Is it also Potentially that God wants to use this whole thing to be a process in your life, to draw him to you. Because, well, let's just be honest. You're like me. You're hard-headed. Oh, stubborn. Oh, he just said that. Yes. And I realize sometimes I have to learn the hard way. Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody else like that? Listen, we don't get to define the healing. What we get to do is trust the goodness of God. Trust the goodness of God. Trust that God is in control. Trust that God sees the beginning and the end. That's so hard, isn't it? So hard. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to confess to one another because we help bear each other's burden. It's so hard. But is it worth it to go to Jesus and let him heal your soul? The answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely. Here's the question, though. Jesus would often ask people this. The man at the pool, Bethesda, others. He would ask them this really strange question. I don't think it's so strange at all. He would say, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? There's a massive chasm of difference between knowing and doing. Do you want to be healed? I ask you, would just close your eyes, bow your head. Worship team's going to come. There's some folks that are going to be up here at the front and at the back.
Why are they up here? Here's, here's, what I, here's what I believe about each one of them. They're not perfect, but they're righteous. And why do I say that? Because I believe that every single one of these individuals will point you to Jesus. Point you to the truth of who God is. Point you to the reality of what God can do in your life. So, so as we're up here at the front, there's some at the back. Um, again, maybe you're just feeling a nudge by the Holy Spirit to, to pray for somebody that's next to you. Do it. Be the church today, now. Do it. Realize that, that you can be that instrument of grace and mercy to someone else. You can be that one who points them to Jesus. But if you're here today and you're going, you know, I don't even know Jesus. I've never even put my faith and trust in him. Listen, that's the first step. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Confess your sin to Jesus. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all of it. And he will begin the healing process in your soul. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Some of you that are here today, you say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but you know there's some sin issues in your life, whether it's commission or omission, whether you've committed them and you know it, or it's something you've omitted and you're realizing, wow, I need that. Listen, confess it to God. Confess it to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed, that the process of healing may begin in you. As the worship team plays, as we sing, as you feel God leading you to move, move. And let's do what God wants us to do in this moment right now. Let's stand. Let's worship.